Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today in the house? You guys good? Welcome to all of you guys in the room, those of you in, in the garage out front or even in our fresca tent. Guys in here, give it up for those guys out there. Thank you guys for being out there today. And to all of our online family at home or wherever you're at, we welcome you guys in as well. We love you guys, all of you. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. We're so glad you're with us. If you're a guest today, uh, thank you so much for coming out. And I, I, uh, I saw this week that, the, that fall is going to visit us next Friday or Saturday. So come on, somebody. Hope's coming. Hope's coming. Uh, we had 150 people or so serve yesterday all over the city uh, at eight of our partners uh, around, even some people here at LifePoint. Uh, my family and I were at uh, the Strong Foundation, which is a, a shelter for entire families that are displaced for whatever reason. They take them in for long-term care and, 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 and instruction and help. And so we were there working with those guys yesterday, and it was amazing to see. So I want to thank everybody who braved that heat yesterday and was serving all over the city. Thank you so much. And we serve every month, by the way. Yeah, that's awesome. We serve every month. By the way, we do a serve day every month, but this one was a bigger one that we do uh, once or twice a year. And so I want to thank you, uh, say thanks to all the people who are in charge of all of that. It was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, Rach and I, uh, my wife and I, last week were out. Um, we were visiting uh, the one-year uh, celebration of Home Church, which is a church uh, from people who were going to our church for quite about a year. They were training, developing, praying, worshiping with us, and we helped send them out about a year ago. And it was such a joy because you guys gave to that. We gave them equipment and trailers and gear, and it was such a joy because there was almost 200 people there last week, and this was only on their first year. And I think they baptized 11 or 12 right after. So thank you guys because when you give, it makes such a huge difference. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, so, yeah, we are in a series called Save the Date, and uh, welcome back to another edition of Save the Date. And the goal of the series, as we've been saying all along, is that whatever your relationship status is, whether it's married or single or dating or engaged or it's complicated, come on, somebody, like whatever it is, we do all of that in a way that brings honor to the God who created us. And, and furthermore, we're praying that we, will see, that we will see God help us regret-proof our marriage beds and our deathbeds um, as it comes to our relationship. So that when we get to the end of our lives, we, don't have a, we haven't built up a pile of regrets as it relates to our relationships. And today, I'm going to, last two weeks we've been talking to single people. Today I'm going to come back primarily and speak to married people, but not exclusively so. And I, 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 I want to bring some things today that I think, I believe, um, that if you started doing to them today, one or all of them, um, I, I believe it would immediately help your marriage, your relationship with your friends, your kids, your parents. Um, some, so the title of the message today is, is Love Handles, right? But not, come on, not these kind, right? But some, some handles to pick up. And carry, come on, everybody, that's a better kind of handle. Carry into your, your relationships. And, and I'm saying these today based on my own experience. I'm both as a, a, a person who's been married for 25 years 
and also as a pastor and, and, and as a fellow struggler. Come on, everybody, as a fellow struggler, right? So what I, what I did was I started thinking through um, the seasons where uh, our marriage was working at, uh, is working at optimal levels and what were we doing? What were we doing right in those seasons? I, I also consider the seasons where, uh, like every marriage, everybody has bumps, amen? Everybody has some bumps and what was going on? What might have precipitated those, those bumps? Sometimes it's just life, but sometimes it's things that I'm not doing right and so what was that? And, and, and before I launch off into any of these, I wanna say that foundationally, like if we don't get this first thing right, none of it really matters as much, that we have to put God first in our marriages. Like if God is an afterthought, if God is a box that we check off on a Sunday for an hour and five or 10 minutes, if the only influence he has on our life is in the moments we're in this room or are out there or watching this online, then what we're saying to him is, hey, I got the rest of it. You got this one hour and I got the rest of it. And, and it, won't, it won't go well. I, I'm just, I'm telling you, that won't work very well. I, I believe that every marriage is stronger when God is put first in the middle of the marriage, is at the center of the marriage. So I want to start with this first one. Um, some of these are going to be obvious. Some of these are not going to be so obvious. But this first one is the one that sets the tone for others. And the first love handle is, if you can go back, is, is guard, say it with me, everybody, guard your heart. Uh, guard your heart. It will be almost impossible to sustain uh, a healthy relationship over time if your heart is jacked up. Like, like because what's in your heart has a way of coming out and impacting all of your relationships. Is that true? <clears throat> so Jesus, just in case you're like, I don't know. Je Jesus says in Luke, no, notice these words, that the good person out of, say this with me, out of the good treasure of the heart, right? What, what comes out is, is good. And, and then he says, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for it is out of the abundance. It's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Now, long before Jesus said these words, another guy wrote some words that I'm gonna put on the screen in just a moment. Um, his name was Solomon. I like to call him Solomon the Wise, right? He feels very Lord of the Rings. Come on, somebody, right? Like he has a like Gandalf beard or whatever, right? He probably didn't, but whatever. Um, he, many people consider him the wisest man who ever lived. And he, he wrote much of the wisdom literature that is part of our Bibles, including the book of Proverbs. And the text that we're going to read today, it's just a single verse, is him saying, listen, I've written a ton of wise things, but, but this thing I'm going to say to you, this thing is the most important thing I'm, I can tell you. And so, of course, it begs then that we all lean in and listen. And here's what he says. He says, say it with me, would you? Above all else. I couldn't hear you guys out in the garage. Come on, somebody. Right? Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Now, what if this is true? What if this isn't just a metaphorical, nice saying? 
what if this is true? And for the record, I believe that it is. What if everything in our lives, every interaction, every word, every intention, all the motivational systems of our life, what if all of them are flowing from a, a deep well inside of us and, and, and what are the implications of that then? And, and I wanna just put this on the screen here for you, that if, if, if our hearts are unhealthy, then it threatens everything else. Our, our careers, our finances, our friendships, our relationships, everything. So Solomon says, guard your heart, which means, first of all, pay attention to what's going on inside your heart. The heart in, 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 in the Bible refers to the emotional activity of our hearts, of, of our life, uh, the intellectual activity, and the morality, the moral activity of our hearts, right? That's the seat of the emotions is what they would call that. So Solomon says, I want you to guard or pay attention to, guard, which means to keep the bad things out, guard, which means to protect what's valuable, defend it, and then he says, because everything that you do um, in your relationships, in your romance, during the course of your day, the way you argue, the way you handle stress, the way you handle money, the way you handle crisis, everything flows from it. And if that's the case, then learning to guard that within part, because it has so much impact on the without part, is incredibly important. That's why we're starting here. When, when you're in relationship with anyone, the way you relate to them is an expression of the overflow of your heart, the condition of your own heart. Now, now here's the issue for all of us. There is, there is brokenness within all of us. All of us have hurts, and we have habits, and we have hangups, um, and it's that brokenness that often leads to pain or comes from pain or shame or guilt or sin. It's that brokenness inside of us that causes us to do the very things that we hate to the people we love the most. Think about this. The things that we hate that the people who loved us when we were growing up or dating, the things they did to us, we often do to other people that we love the most because of the overflow of the heart. And, and all of us have stuff inside, all of us do, right? And you don't know really what's in there if you're not examining it until pressure and life and health goes bad and, and relationships sour. You don't always know what's gonna come out, but inevitably there is gonna be enough pressure put on you that whatever's in there is gonna come out. And whatever comes out is in fact the overflow of the heart and you just have to get clear on that, right? How many times in my own life, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, did I say something or did I do something or I didn't do something that I thought, why, why'd you do that? Why did you say that? And, and I'm talking about in my, my, my sort of self-talk. And why don't you just walk back in there and apologize or say you're sorry? Because that's what a healthy person would do. That's what a, a whole person would do. But inevitably, there have been times that I would continue to, continue to sit in my own brokenness, in my own pride, in my own stubbornness, and languish in that. See, see there's something about 
romance, about the permanence of commitment relationally. Uh, you're committed to me, I'm committed to you, we're, we're married. There's something about that that brings out both the best in us and what else? And the worst in us. But it will only ever bring out, come on everybody, what's already in. So this is why people who make the ultimate commitments to one another at stages in their life can get more angry at the person they love the most than anyone else on the planet. What you've already discovered, if you've lived a while, if, if you've been in love before, is that what's inside of you comes out in the relationships that are most important to you, and you may have blamed it on stress or the other person, you may have pointed fingers, you may have dumped them, left them, but what you discover is when you got into a new relationship, strangely enough, the exact same stuff that happened in your last relationship is happening again. And here's the bottom line. What's in you is gonna come out of you regardless of who's with you. It's gonna happen every time. This is why Solomon says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart because from it, everything is flowing, right? So, so if your heart isn't in good shape, it's almost impossible to over time, you, you can do it in stretches, but, to, but, but in over time to maintain healthy, flourishing relationships. So what do you do? You start with you. You, you stop blaming her or him and you start with you. Get help with you. And as we've been saying, if you're not married yet and you wanna be someday, start working on you right now. It's gonna help you so much that you don't bring a bunch of baggage into the marriage, that you deal with your baggage before you get Come on, somebody, get, get married. This is why I'm starting with this one. It's, it's going to be tough to do the other things if your heart is messed up. And this is why we do an inventory, right? This is why we say what's going on in there. And listen, you got to name it. Whatever the brokenness is, whatever the pain is, whatever the hurt is, whatever the, you got to name that thing. You got to bring it to the light of day. You got to have somebody uh, with you and you speak it out loud. And you may need to talk to somebody who's much wiser than you are to get you some help here. And so what David does in the same situation is he says, search me, God. He starts with God. Search me, God. And look at this, and know my heart. And test me. And know my what? My anxious, my thoughts. Not just my heart, but my thoughts. And see if there is any, say it with me, any offensive way. Because if there's an offensive way in me, it's going to come out. And it's going to offend other people. Trust me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting, eternal. The way that, that lasts. Guard your heart. Second thing is try to understand instead of fix. Now, I'm going to explain this, but this is so important right here. I, I don't know about the other men in the room, but I'm a fixer. I want to fix things, unless it's mechanical, and then you have to come to my house and fix that thing. But if it's relational or emotional, like, like okay, now we're in my world. Let, let me fix it. So, so the bad news about that is my wife We'll come home sometimes and, you know, like, hey, what a bad day. You know, this person, and I'm frustrated. And, and, and so what I want to do is listen for maybe two minutes if I'm in a healthy, good day. Come on, somebody. And then I want to come up with the solution. So what you do is you get your knife, okay? You start there. Okay, kidding, sorry. Not espousing violence, just for the record, right? 
But this isn't what she wants me to do 99% of the time. She wants me just to listen, but the brother can't help himself sometimes. So James, knowing the proclivity of the human heart, says, my dear brothers and sisters, he could have just left the sisters part out probably because they already got this on lock. (laughs) My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, say it, quick to listen. Notice, slow to speak. And what else? Slow to become angry. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Now, let me say something real quickly. If we could all just master this one verse today, if we could get this on lock, <laughs> it would be such a game changer. If we just said, I, don't, I didn't hear one thing that brother said, but what James, that brother said, brother James knew what he was up to. So, so slow, twice, quick, once. I, I, I think... I think that slow is an important rhythm in any kind of relationship, but especially in marriage. That we learn to fight for slow. That slowing down, hearing, paying attention, listening is one of the greatest signs of respect and of love and appreciation that you can offer another human being. And one of the things that we have to do in the crises of life, and we have to learn this, is to never judge their feelings, right? Never try to talk your friend or your spouse out of their feelings, which again, Danny's guilty of, all right? I'm going third person because I hate to say I'm guilty, right? Um, like, Like they feel it even if you don't feel it. They feel it even if you don't think they should. Opinions are different, right? Because they can be right or wrong. Feelings not really about right or wrong. Their feelings, they may not be helpful, but they're still their feelings. And so why is it when somebody has a feeling that we don't have or we don't share, we feel like we got to talk them out of it, right? Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean somebody else can't. So you make the decision, and this is so huge, you make the decision to just be in there with each other with our feelings and not try to talk each other out of them. If they're angry, like be angry with them if you can. If you can't, just hold their hand, right? right? If they're confused or grieving, whatever it is, walk with them through it. Don't try to talk them out of it. When you, when you don't really feel the way you're feeling, they're feeling, then you hold their hand. In that moment, you're saying, I'm with you in whatever you're feeling, and it's a really big deal to learn this because one of the greatest gifts that you can give to a relationship is to be with another person as they're going through their feelings, whatever they are. Because I think it's true, please hear this, I think it's true that you can be married happily and sometimes still feel all alone in certain moments, in certain seasons because of whatever it is that you're going through that they can't, they can't, they don't understand, right? And to just know that someone sees you and someone is with you, and somebody is trying to understand even though they're not going through what you're going through, often that means the most. To to say, I can't fix what it is you're going through, 
But I promise you, I will hold your hand all the way through. And this is a, is a gift that is very hard to understand unless you've needed it. A, a strong marriage, let me say this, a strong marriage won't always have two strong people like making it happen at the same time. It's, it's usually a husband and wife who through the course of their lives take turns being strong for each other in the moments where the other one's weak. So you come in going, hey, it's gonna have to be a 50-50 deal. It almost never will be a 50-50 deal. Sometimes it'll be a 90-10 deal where you got 10% to bring to the table and the other person's got 90% or it's 80-20. And it's in those moments where you learn to set, because you're paying attention, because you're examining their feelings, you're not trying to rush them through a season that they're in. When you see that and you say, what, 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 a, what a whole healthy person who understands the, that out of the heart, what, what that person would do is stay with them in those moments to, to do what Paul says in Galatians 6.2, which he says, bear one another's burdens. And when you do this, he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Matthew chapter 25, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? What's the law of Christ? John 13, 34. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Verse 35. Um, um, and love each other as I have loved you, so you love each other. That's the law of Christ. And when we support each other, when we're down, when we're weak, when we're struggling, when we're going through the seasons of life, this is how we're fulfilling the law of Christ in our marriage. So we try to understand instead of fix. The third one is speak life-giving words. And I always bring this up every time I talk to married people because of its, of its power. I want us to read this, this next proverb together. This is Proverbs 18, uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Say it with me, ready? The, the tongue has the power of, okay? And those who love it will eat its fruit. They'll eat the fruit that comes from the power of the tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death, and I, I hope you know this is not just a metaphor. It's not a platitude to put on a cheap plaque on a wall, right? It's a literal truth that there is a part of, of our human, bo our, our bodies that is impacted both spiritually, emotionally, even physically by the weight of other people's words. It's not my opinion, it's fact that our bodies actually respond for better or for worse to the words and the weight of the words we hear. So it's not just about the sound waves, it's about the impact that words have on us in all of these facets of life because there is, as Solomon says, there's a little life and there's a little death in our words, which is why it's so important to do what James says slow to speak, slow to become angry, right? We're, we're talking about words of life, particularly in a marriage, but it, it applies everywhere, every kind of relationship. But we want to use our words in a way that speaks life. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about the words you use this week in your interactions. Is that rain? I don't know what that was. Um, those of you who had to park in the field, good luck getting out. Don't spin your tires. 
That's quite a sound. It's been so long, I, don't, I forgot what it sounds like. Sorry if you're watching this in another country. We don't get rain here apparently anymore. That's it, it's done. It's all gone. 13 seconds of rain. Take it. It's literally done. Okay, anyways. I have no idea what I was talking about, but it was something about words. Think about the words that you've said this week. I'm not trying to bring guilt or shame. In your interactions with your kids, with your wife, with your spouse, with your teacher, with your employee or your employers. Think about the words that spoke. They either had a little bit of life or they had a little bit of death. So it's not even complicated to do this. The Bible's filled with words of life. So all through the Bible are these one another's. So words like accept one another. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Honor one another above yourself. That's what the Bible says in Romans. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. Serve one another. These are all words of life. And if we're married, we practice these words with our spouse. We actually do them. It might be thought of as a kind of marital discipleship. Right? How do I live as a follower of Jesus in the context of any of these particular directives of honor, accept, mourn, bear, serve? How do I do that inside of my marriage? Um, how, do, how do I facilitate that as a follower of Christ in, in my marriage? But it's even more practical. Here it comes again. Wait a minute. Second, 13 seconds. Right? It's even more impractical than that. What kind of words did you say when you were dating or when you were first married or when you were engaged, like go back and say those words again. Like, like make it a practice that you don't leave the house without saying, I love you. And you know one of the first phrases that goes out of any marriage is thank you. It's unbelievable we start to get entitled in marriage where we start to think, oh, it's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do that, I'm supposed to do that. Nobody's supposed to do anything right? What we're supposed to do is be grateful and say, thank you. And I'm grateful for you. Come on. If you're next level, you're like, you're looking hot today. Come on, right? It's just a next level thing. If you're married, the rest of you don't say it. All right. I'm just kidding. Like, I love you more today than I've ever loved you. I'll never stop holding a hand. You're the best thing that's happening. Say, I love you. And then fill in the blank because you fill that blank. And this is one and, 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 and this, 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 this enriches, this adds depth, this causes flourishing in the, in, in the heart. This is a sub point, but this one's one I came up with this week. Come on, say it with me. Don't nag if you don't brag. T-shirt right here, T-shirt, everybody. Could wear that around the house, right? The idea is that if you point out somebody's flaws more than you point out their wins, you're going to drain the emotional tank of that person. Some of you have been on the opposite side of that deal where you've gotten picked at, criticized over and over again. You know, you know what that does to the human soul. If criticism is the language of your house, it will be a difficult environment for your kids, for your spouse, for anybody to flourish from there. Trust me, okay? So I can't speak for the ladies, but I will say this as, as a man. We will often gravitate towards the places where we are we feel respected, and we feel like we're going to win, like we're winning, which is why some guys will work too much, and I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's true. It's often the place they feel most uh, successful. And if home as a pattern, 
I'm not saying occasionally, but I'm saying it's a pattern, it's a place where we receive more criticism and complaints than praise, and this goes for either spouse. It just makes it more challenging to feel like home is a place where I'm winning, making a difference in my life, and you'll not be drawn in You'll, you'll, you'll pull back. It's just na- natural. So, so you can nag only if you brag, but brag more than you nag. Come on, write that down. Write that down. You can nag only if you brag, but brag more than you nag. And, and I read this first a few weeks ago, but I want to bring it back. Proverbs chapter 27. A nagging spouse is like the, come on, say it with me. It's like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it, right? The word, so, so that's funny, by the way. I don't care who you are, right? <laughs> but if you're on the receiving end of it, it's not funny at all. Proverbs 12, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings, come on, say it with me, healing. The reckless or the grouchy or the didn't get enough sleep. Come on, this is your brother talking up here today, right? I'm guilty. Reckless words, harsh words pierce because they have a little death in them, right? Um, Proverbs 15:4. the soothing tongue is a tree, of, it's a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Can crush the spirit not of just a child, they can crush the spirit of a grown person, right? And we've all felt that, and we've all seen that, and our world has a way of beating people up, and life has a way of beating people up, and all kinds of people end up lying alongside the side of the road, and words have the power to heal, to lift up, to encourage. And when you're dealing with a person who can't stop complaining, you, it, it turns you off. You want to get away from it. Just like Solomon says, the drip, drip, drip. You want to get away from it. But I think it's true that words of life, words of encouragement, words of af- affirmation have the same or have the exact opposite effect. When you're around an encouraging person, you want to be drawn in. You're pulled in. And, and I would say more than ever, we just need encouragement. We need to be encouragers. Words of life. At a boy, at a girl, I'm proud of you. And if you want to draw each other in, then brag way more than you nag. Because the power of an encouraging word is immeasurable. And listen, life is hard, everybody. It's tougher on some days than others. It's tougher entire weeks and months. And to have someone who loves you, who admires you, tell you, you're doing great. You're going to make it. I love you. I'm with you. I'm proud of you. Your words can change their world. I've told you this before, but my third grade teacher, Ms. Ennett, would give us all, as we walked into her classroom, she would give us an encouraging word Danny, you can do great things. Every day, every day, you can do great things. And I remember um, we were all in the library, third grade, Adams Hill Elementary, third grade. All the classes, all the third grade classes were in the same library. And she was leading a talk, and, she, she, and I raised my hand, and I said something, I asked her a question, and she said to me, Danny, that's a great question. I'm 51 years old, everybody. I still have that on lock in my brain because of what it did to my spirit that day. It encouraged my spirit and gave me confidence. And hear me, if you're a half, uh, if you're a cup half empty person, right? You can tend to let that bleed into all the areas of your life, including with your spouse. It can become draining. You got to examine your heart. You got to examine your heart. 
because your life is flowing out. All of your life is flowing out of that. And it may just be that you're in a personal season right now where you're tired or overextended or you're stressed out and that's brought out, come on, negative Nelly. Y'all know that, that person, right? Brought out. You just need to know though that over time, that drip, drip, drip can crush the spirit. It can push away instead of draw in. And it doesn't mean you can't complain. It doesn't mean you can't point out something that bothers you. It just means that the wise person does a sandwich. Right in the, in, in the middle of the, of, the, of, the, of the brag, brag, nag. Come on, you sandwich that bad boy. And it's a lot easier to eat that sandwich of brag, nag, brag. Come on, can I get a witness, somebody? All right, this is why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, say it with me, encourage one another and build each other up. And then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, that's the coming of the Lord, as you see the day approaching. As we get closer and closer, it means that we step up our game of encouragement. What if in this room, out in the lobby, in the tent, I hope you're not getting wet, right? Wherever you are, listening online, what if we all became world-class encouragers? What if, what if our marriages and our homes were marked by words of life? Last thing, ish. I think it's important, and this is not one of the handles, this is a subtext, right? Is that we have to learn how to pay attention. Can't just get self-absorbed. Can't just get sucked into our own little things and our own little ways our own little struggles, we, we got to pay attention to the people around us. So we focus. Why focus? Focus, make sure the person feels seen, heard, understood. And the opposite of focus when it comes to relationships is being preoccupied. Preoccupied, think about that. It means the moment you interact, you're already occupied. You ever go at the coffee shop and there's a bathroom there and they got that little lock now that says occupied and you get there and you're like, dear God, man, I gotta, I gotta take care of business and you're looking for somewhere else to go. It's kind of like that interaction. When you come home and you can tell, hey, I wanna tell you about my day and they're already occupied and I'm guilty. Come on, I'm guilty. It just makes you go, well, there's, the lights aren't on. I'm gonna have to go somewhere else. And so where do you go? You go to the scroll. You go to the TV. You go to the streaming device. You go anywhere but locked in on your person. And I'm just telling you, that's okay here and now, there, there, here and there, but it can't be a pattern. So we guard our hearts. And if you examine your hearts and you say, Danny, something's going on in my heart right now. It's broken, it's hurting, I'm confused, I'm dealing with doubt, I'm dealing with pain. I say this, that you, you surrender your heart to the only one who can heal what's broken. You take, you take your brokenness, your hurt, your wound, you take your sin, what, whatever it is, and you take it to the only one who can heal, who can fix it. So Jesus has always come to change our hearts, not our behaviors. Right, because behaviors are just an expression of what's already in our hearts, yes or no. Behaviors are just an expression of what's coming in. So Jesus has always come to heal, to fix, to mend hearts. So David says in his, song, his famous psalm, Psalm 51, 
he's, 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 he's done a bad thing. So he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Ezekiel the prophet says, God says through Ezekiel, I'm gonna give you a new heart, and I'm gonna put a new spirit in you, and I'm gonna remove from you your heart of stone. Do you know why we have hearts of stone? Because we've been hurt, because life's been hard, and we build up hard places in our hearts. And God says, I'm gonna come in, and I'm gonna take that hardness out, and I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh, a heart that's malleable, a sensitive heart. I'm gonna put my Holy Spirit in you and, and, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Last thing, how is your heart? Not how is your finances, not how is your career going, how is your heart? Is there something going on inside your heart right now that you need to bring to Jesus? Our prayer partners are gonna come up in just a moment. You can pray with him. You can pray on your own. You can pray right where you're at. But while I'm praying here in just a moment, I'm praying that you're going to pray, Lord, search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And that you're going to pray that, and you're going to mean that, and you're going to ask God to help you take next uh, right steps. So, Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for families. Thank you for marriages. Thank you for people who are in relationships, God, that are, that are healthy and that are flourishing. And God, a lot of what I've talked about today is for people who are already healthy but want to just sort of tune it up a little bit. Some of it's for people who are, are not married yet and they're just trying to learn what it looks like to, to get right. But whatever it is, I pray today for people. S some of the people in this room, some of the people out in the lobby, some people under the tent uh, watching this online, where, wherever they're at, God would say, you know what, I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus at all. I've never, I've never invited Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins, to be the Lord of my life. And, and Romans chapter 10, verse 10, says that if we, as if, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be, the word that Paul uses is saved. So, Lord, for folks who are here today who have never surrendered, who have never started on a journey with you of walking with Jesus, I pray they would today. I pray that they would, would, would confess you as Lord. I pray that they would invite you to be the forgiver of their sins and to come and live in their hearts by faith in Jesus. God, I pray this in Jesus' name, and I pray healing and help and hope over families and marriages. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.